Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. I started off with this clip, though. I'm going to show it to you guys, too. And I saw it last night. It's Steve Harvey in, like, the 80s. So you'll see by his hair and his clothes. But it's this really cool clip where he decides, you know, if I uh, had the opportunity and the chance to introduce Jesus as a stand-up comedian, this is how I would do it. And so when I saw this clip, I was like, I have to start service this way. So let's just show this clip. We are going to have church today. (laughs) I got goosebumps, man. Oh, isn't that so good? Man, oh, I just had to start that way, and I'm so glad. There's one thing he missed that I would add to that if I was doing that, is that and he paid for every sin in the past, present, and future for every single individual. And it's... What a cool, cool thing. It's, it's such an incredible thing when, that, um, when you get that, when you, when you get what he's talking about. And that's kind of the, it wasn't originally why I wanted to speak on that, but that's kind of like, it spoke to it. It spoke to me and I was going, essentially I want to help redefine the gospel. When, when someone says the gospel, uh, uh, which is our great mandate, is the gospel to shed, shed, <laughs> spread, <laughs> Spread the good news. But it's not so good when you hear it. Most people say, accept Jesus in your heart and then act good enough and obedience. And if you don't, God will get you. He'll slap you upside the head. What in the world is good about that? There's no good news there. And so it's taught about performance. It's taught about works. It's taught about you being a certain way. And if you're not, this God will not love you. And it's such a sick picture of, of God and who he is. And, and it's, it's, it's actively, the enemy is actively trying to distort this. And, and I'm here to set the record straight. This gospel is incredible, almost too good to be true news. It is a news that is so lightning, so fresh that you no longer look at yourself even as you or who you think you are. You look at yourself through the lens of Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he gave his life for you, undoubtedly knowing who you would be. And he still did. And he knew everything about you, and he knew every sin you were going to do, and he still wanted to do it to give you a chance to enter in relationship with him. This is the God we serve, and this is why he did it. But you need to know this. You need to know this at a true heart, emotional level, to the point that you get up on that stage and... And you could do what he just did and, and not just to, to get a roar out of a crowd, which is great, but to truly know it, to know who it is you're serving and what he did for you. You know, there's, there's, there's a thought I've had, and maybe you've had this thought too, about the moment you step in front of, in, into the gates of heaven or not. <laughs> Sorry, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> Sorry. There's a lot of raining in happening all the time, even while I'm talking to you. Um, what am I talking about? The gates. When you get to the gates, I've often had this thought of going like, 
there's a few verses that allude to the fact that you have to answer for your life and you have to answer for this and do this. But as you continue to go through the gospel, the good news, there's only one answer. What is it? And, and when this question gets asked to you, when you go to heaven, you're welcome. I'll give you the answer. Um, and it says, what is it that qualifies you to be here? Don't you dare for a second talk about your attendance at church or how good you've been or how much you've tithed. All you say is the Savior Jesus Christ. That's it. There's one answer. And, and, and the thing is, is that this has to be so ingrained into our communication at such a level. And the reason is, is there might be some of you that's like, I get it. I know. I get it. But you, we're so ingrained to perform, to be a certain way all the time. And, and it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm glad people... It's a good thing, but it's not a good thing when you tie it to your identity. Identity. It's, it's a terrible thing when you tie it to your faith. It goes against the Word of God, and it is, it's just so incredibly toxic to think. Because there's a verse that I'll hopefully read to you, but it, it essentially talks about... <laughs> um, it essentially talks about that the benefits of the relationship with Jesus is... All, uh, salvation. And when you unpack salvation, it's not just the, you made it into heaven. Because how sick of a father would I be? And I'll do this very literally. Imagine my daughter, Sloan. She's my oldest daughter. She's nine. Imagine salvation being entrance into my home, heaven. Call it, call it heaven. And so I, I say to her, hey, I accept you. Come into my home. And so she comes into my home and she's made it into heaven. She's made it. Um, which is the guarantee she's got, and, that, and that's, that's the guarantee she's got. But when it comes to me providing all her needs, I don't allow her to. I don't feed her. I don't give her a bed. I don't take care of her. I don't give her a jacket when she's cold. All, well, no, I've given her salvation, just entrance to heaven. Most people think that's what it is. Salvation, when you unpack the meaning of it and the context it's using, using in, throughout the word, is life, health. When you unpack John 10, 10, I've come so that you may have life to the full, in abundance, overflowing. There's so many explanations there of understanding so that you finally get it in your core to realize it isn't supposed to be mediocre. It isn't supposed to be sick. It isn't supposed to be tired. It isn't supposed to be lonely. It's not how your life is supposed to be. Your life is supposed to be overflowing and, and, and easy. And, and all of you just went easy. Like, life's not easy, but it's, you're, you're supposed to have the grace and ease to it. Now, it doesn't mean there's not going to be terrible things happening. You will lose loved ones. There's no, nothing easy about that. Um, but you should have a peace that passes understanding, which is a perplexing peace that just absolutely shouldn't make sense. And that should be overflowing to everyone around you everywhere you go. This is the gospel. This is the good news. The too, nearly too good to be true news that needs to be permeating out of you so that when you're putting your kids to bed, sometimes I do this. And, and I, actually, well, I do this as often as I can. But I'll say this to my, my kids so that they make sure that I'm not loving them based off performance because it can feel that way. It can almost always feel that way when you're around the house and, oh, you didn't pick up the garbage again. Oh, can you do this? And we're just harping on them because we're trying to just, first of all, have a house that doesn't have shoes and clothes and things everywhere. And so you try to harp on them out of like the urge for a nice home but to them, that's often sometimes the only communication they get from mom and dad. And so they just go like, oh my gosh, I don't feel loved. And so if you're not careful, and it's easy to slip into this ditch, your child's only communication with you as a, as a parent is, 
performance, 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 and they only seem happy when I perform. And so if you find yourself there or this is speaking to you because it was speaking to me, I was reading the word going, I'm doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this. I'm ingraining their love and identity sometimes into them performing. And so I've, first of all, I'm trying to change that behavior where I'm not just only doing that. And I don't only, but I'm just being critical here. Um, And so at bedtime, I often would, when I have my children's undenied attention, I'll sometimes go on my knees and literally just sit right at their bed and just talk with them. Or if one of them fell asleep, I'll go to the one that's awake and I'll just go, um, hey, you know, something I want to say to you. And Sloan's very, very attentive. She's very sharp. And I'll just say to her, you know, sometimes when I raise my voice or I'm looking at this or doing this, I said, I want you to know there's absolutely nothing on this planet that would ever change how much I love you, ever. And then <laughs> little brain, and because I've done this since she was four, and I, I still do it as often as I can. Um, and her four-year-old brain would go, but what if I did this? <laughs> and I'd be like, babe, there's nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. It might seem my emotional reaction might be big, and I'm going to do my best, babe, to just tone that down. But there's nothing, nothing. And, her, and as she gets older and maturing, her questions become bigger, and, she, and now she, she gets it. But you need to imagine Father God sitting next to your bed, whispering in your ear, him saying to you, I don't care that you missed the mark. I don't care that you didn't get the promotion. I don't care that you struggle with this. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. There's nothing you could do that will make me love you less ever, ever. And, and you just need to camp there. You know, something I'm going to talk about, maybe I'll talk about it now, is the three stages of faith. The Bible alludes to these three stages of faith, the infant, adolescent, and adulthood stages of faith. And in it, I was questioning, why does it, why is it distinguishing this? And becoming a pastor has has, has, uh, made it clear to me. Because just like an infant, if I brought a a small child up here and we started to load them with weights, or even even, let's say, a young kid playing sports, if you put ankle weights on a young kid too young, it might be, there might be a short-term gain of some muscle because their resistance is gaining a little bit, but their bones are still growing. Their body is still growing, developing. So if you put too much resistance on that little body, it'll perform in that moment. But what you don't know is that you're actually stunting the growth down the road. You're hurting its ability down the road to do what it was actually designed to do later. And the same thing happens with faith. If you're at the infant stage and you don't know the word and it's not just pouring out of you and you don't know grace and faith and righteousness and what you qualify for and how and why and connecting the dots, it's okay. But all you need to do at that stage is just focus on the love of God. Focus on the cross and just camp there. Just stay there. And just like for a really long time because it just needs to reprogram you, reprogram you. You have a lifetime of programming in you from friends, from people, from insecurities, from you being dropped off at school at first time kindergarten not knowing this and some kid looks at you and goes, you look ugly and you're like oh like a, a program right there am i ugly is that is it because my clothes or maybe i am ugly and there's this program 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 and hopefully you've had good programming but even if you didn't even if it was actually maybe not an insult let's let's rewind there you look awesome it's still just as bad your identity is built in the fact that you look good that's still wrong so what i mean is you have a lifetime of programming that you got to undo through the word of god and that's okay just just begin to do it. Begin to just fall in love with the word and reprogram, uninstall bad software and reinstall new software of God's word and your identity. And so that's the infant stage. Because if, if you take on 
If you take on too much in this infant stage about trying to answer every reason for creation, which is a good desire, you should. The Bible does answer all those things. I went on that journey. I went and read about every religion's Bible I could get my hands on because that's the personality that I am. I needed to know. If I, could, if I was going to get on this stage, I needed to be able to look you in the eye and tell you this is the only way. And I needed to know why. Some people, they don't have that desire. They don't care. They trust. They, the Bible talks about how there's people who are just like, okay, that's fine. But if, if you're in the infant stage, just focus on the love of God. And as you graduate out of that, then you step into adolescence. Now begin to ask questions and focus on developing your muscles. Now that you're getting to a place of maturity and you're developing, you get stronger. I don't know if you noticed, but I started flexing when I said muscles. You noticed, right? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> um, but you get to this place of maturity where you become stronger in the Word. It begins to get to a place where you know why and you're wrestling with all these ideas. And it's great. It's good. But then once you get to adulthood and faith, adulthood and faith, you begin, you step into a place of actual responsibility. And it's called the Great Commission. And you have the mission of sharing the good news. And, and, and it, it is such good news. But like, it's only good news once you know it. Once, like, you really know it. The word talks about the truth that will set you free. It's like, until you know it truly and you understand it, it there's nothing setting you free at all. It's, it's, it's as though it's like we were standing on a, we're standing on a road, Debbie. Me and Debbie are standing on a road, and I look up, and I see a car coming to hit us. How insane would it be if I just jumped off the road and left Debbie on the road? Like, but, but my instinct, then, I'm just saving myself. And Debbie, I would save you if we were there. Um, but, but you know what I mean? You'd look, if you saw that, and you saw that I had time to push her, grab her, move her, you'd say, you, you crazy sickle. Like, why wouldn't you save her? And it's the same thing once you know the truth. Once you know the gospel, you know the word. I cannot help. I can't help share it, but share it. It's, it's the, you're standing on a road and you're about to get hit by a truck. Like, <laughs> you gotta get out of the way. And so, but, but I don't do it that bold and that, like, that's where spirit contemporary comes in, which is why our senior pastors, Leon and Sally, were, we're so passionate about that message because there's so many people who were burned by the turn or burn. This is the good news. What? B good news? I'm, you're talking to me about burning. Like, how is this good news? But, but the good news is, is, is the fact that Jesus came and as I was explaining, but it needs to be that level of intensity, but please don't do it until you know the word and it's a part of you and that you understand your identity and who you are. And it... <laughs> I kind of sometimes say this jokingly. There's many Christians I bump into where I'm going, please don't share the word. Please don't share the word. Oh, just be the incognito Christian, please. Because it hurts sometimes when I see somebody's like intensity, they'll just kick a door down and be like, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, oh, you just lost them. Please don't. And so, so you need to have this class and grace and ease to you and understand because that's the way Jesus was. Jesus hated religious people. Because the very people who thought they were, they thought they were it. They thought they had it all figured out and sorted out, which was meaning they thought that they were their right, they were the reason for righteousness, which is right standing with God. That is the, that is the, literally the only unforgivable sin in the entire Bible. It's the only way to miss heaven, is disqualifying what Jesus did for you. Because you think, you act a certain way, you will make heaven. That's self-righteousness. It's the only sin that doesn't make heaven. Every sin is bought and paid for, except for the rejection of Jesus. That's it. And so the very religious people that were going after Jesus 
he hated them, man. He, he would avoid them, and he'd go sit down with all sorts of people and have dinner with them. <laughs> and and he was the, that's why he was trying to reprogram them all the time. Man, this clock moves quick. <laughs> I have to look at my iPad and find out what I have to talk about next. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a weird... Anyway. And so Jesus would always go with these people because he started to realize like they, the religious people don't get it. And so I'm not even going to spend my time with them. I got to focus on these people, the ones who realize that they are not good enough to even qualify themselves. Because the ones who think they are, man, they just got too much of a hill to climb and they're, I'm preaching at them and they're not getting it. And, and, and that's the mistake that if you ever get to a place where you think attending church, reading your Bible, not swearing, not doing things, those are all good. They should all be byproducts of your relationship with Jesus. But they're not qualifiers. You're not any closer to Jesus because you're better at that. And, and, and the moment you think you are, you need to be really careful because you're essentially saying that you are pushing yourself. You're just, you're just saying that what Jesus did wasn't enough. And it's, it's, you're, it's intense. You realize, whoa. I wasn't meaning to do that, but you are. Sorry, you're not meaning to, but I mean you are doing that. You're essentially saying, I need to act good enough, be good enough, do good enough in order for God and Holy Spirit to work through me. That isn't the Bible. That just isn't it. And, and it's wild because Holy Spirit's just constantly waiting to lead you and work through you all the time. He's not sitting there going, okay, give me 36 hours sin-free and then I'll send you some guidance. He doesn't the mark of sin is so unattainable, which is why all through Galatians, uh, Corinthians, uh, Ephesians, it's constantly saying essentially that you stop trying to measure up to this book of the law that is so unattainable. It's essentially like when you look at even the design of the law, which is the Old Testament do's and don'ts, it was so unattainable that you realize you just couldn't attain it. And it's designed that way. It's designed that way where you finally surrender and going, okay, it says if I think a wrong thought, if I think a wrong thought, I just thought a wrong thought. I didn't mean to, I just did. Like, that's how hard it is. It's impossible to do it, which is actually an incredible thing. Because now if you, can you imagine if we had to live flawlessly perfect and, and not think a wrong thought? No one would make heaven. You just couldn't do it. Even if, if I offered a million dollar prize, imagine if I could have access to your thoughts, which... <laughs> God help me, um, access to your thoughts, and we would have a 24-7 camera follow you around. Even if you could get your actions together, there'd be no way, no way you'd be flawless. So if I offered you this prize and said million dollars, you would actually get to the place where you began to resent me because you would start to realize after some time, this was an impossible thing. He knew I couldn't win. And this is what happens to people when they hear pastors preaching about works acting good enough, being good enough, they begin to resent God because they're dangling a carrot in front of them going, act good enough, be good enough, and then you realize you just can't. And you think that this is your earning of faith into heaven and you're going, I just can't. And then people hate God. How dare you make something so unattainable for me? And then you dangle heaven in front of me, eternal life. You sick God. Yep, you're right. If that was the truth, you are right. It's not the truth. And that's where the gospel comes in. I'm going to turn on my iPad now so I can see what I have to preach about. <laughs> okay, Romans 8, 5, 14. This is a verse I cannot miss. I have to talk about it. It is so incredible. For those of you who have your, your Bibles, go ahead and flip to Romans 8, 5, 14. I'm reading out of the message. This is such an incredible verse. 
says, those who think they can do it on their own, it ends up to line up with what I was talking about. It's great. Those who think they can do it on their own are obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention is a dead end. Attention to God leads us into the open, into the spacious, free life. Focusing on, the, on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That, that person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased with being ignored. Verse 9. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, and I have a side note here written, if you let him. He's not going to dominate you. He's not going to overtake your flesh and take over your words and your tongue. You have to allow him to speak and lead through you. I probably pray this prayer 30, 60 times a day. That's definitely an exaggeration. 10 to like 12 times a day where I say, Holy Spirit, lead me. When I'm walking up to a person where I'm going, this person's a lot. Holy Spirit, help me to speak to them because you, you, you have me here. And, and so I, I give permission to Holy Spirit to lead me. But I do that all the time. I, there's some times where I, in the job that I do, I have to make some very difficult phone calls and things. And there's times where I'm, I'm dialing the phone number. I'm going, I hate this. I dread this. I don't want to do this. And I literally go right, it's still ringing. And I hope they don't answer quick. And I go, Holy Spirit, lead me in this call. Help me to speak. Guide my tongue, my very tongue. Please guide my tongue. And I, and I say that all the time. And, and, and what, I could back it up biblically, but I don't have time. But that, that is... Holy Spirit's job, if you let him. So, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed, welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. This verse here, that part I just read, where it said the, the very present God, those people, there's many of them who won't know what we're talking about. That, that's one of the biggest revelations I've had as a pastor where I start to realize there are so many people where I guess this is the best way I could probably explain it. Me and Debbie are on the road and I'm going, Debbie, let's go. Let's get off the road. And assuming that I can't physically help her for some reason, but I'm going, Debbie, Debbie, get off the road. Please get off the road. And I just can't. I'm going, we're on a road and, and there's a car coming for you. And I don't mean to use you, but this is the only way I can say it. Imagine if she didn't know what cars or roads were. Right? She'd be like, car, road, what are you talking about? I'm going, ah, oh, she doesn't get it. There's this thing coming at you very quickly. It's going to hit you. Hit you? How? No, I'm safe. I've always been safe here. And, and that's the clearest picture I can give you of what it's like sometimes when, when you've experienced the power of God working in your life, when you've seen miracles, when you've seen insight, when you've seen breakthroughs. I, I, I could tell you so many stories. I've seen it with my own eyes. But when you talk to someone who hasn't experienced it, they're going, what? What are you talking about? And I just wish that I could just pick them up and just bring them with me. And it's just, it's just not, it's not reality. They got to discover it for themselves. They have to be hungry for the word. They got to dive into it. It's so frustrating because I just wish I could just bring them with me. And, and you just start to realize God's word's incredible. It's powerful. But the biggest thing about God is he will never violate who he is. And he will never violate your free will. And it's, it's tough because you're going, I, I, they have to realize it themselves. 
and it's, it's just, and so that's why we do church the way we do it. That's why we do it with coffee shops and we do it with, with screens and lights and this because we're realizing there's people, there's some people who if we didn't have any of this, they would have no problem. They would sit on the floor if we didn't have chairs. They would, it, it wouldn't matter. And that's great, but that's a very small percentage. And there's some who are going, oh, I'm being dragged here. And that's fine too. But we're doing everything in our power, the, the way we think Jesus would do it to reach them wherever they're at as best as we possibly can, which is why Spirit Contemporary is so important. I was driving my son, <laughs> this is really funny. I was driving my son three days ago, four days ago. We got into Winnipeg four days ago. And drop off Tamara and the girls at the house and me and Ellis had to run here to grab something. So we're driving, he's in the back, and all of a sudden he goes, Dad, what's wrong with these roads? And I went, where do, where do I start? Like, I was like, gosh, if there's any politicians in here, can we allocate some funds? Um, gosh, oh, anyway. And so we laughed, but he thought we were on like one broken road. I'm like, no, this is everywhere. It's everywhere. It's every road. And, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's, but what my, my preaching mind began to kind of make a, a correlation, and I was realizing, going, it's interesting, he even noticed. Why did my six-year-old boy notice, who doesn't have a license, doesn't drive cars, why did he notice? Because every road in Calgary is awesome. And, <laughs> okay, there's a couple that aren't great, but most of the roads are smooth. And then I take the playfulness out. What I realized was, you need to get to the place where the Word of God is so alive in you that when you're on a road that's bumpy, you're going, this isn't supposed to be this way. This is, the, this is a lie. And as, you, as you're walking through your life, you should start to realize everywhere you go, okay, that's not the truth. The, like, ah, um, no, no. <laughs> it's risky it's risky it's tough it's hard but make sure you're spirit-led if you're going to do it i remember i went into a hospital room of someone that was dying surrounded by family and i was terrified to go it was one of my first hospital visits like i was shaking and i remember i got the call to go and i was like oh i don't know what to do here i don't what it, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to ask questions, I don't know how to do this. Even though I knew the word and I knew all this and I did, but in the moment, I'm going, this is terrifying. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm walking into fully. So I get there and I'm in the ICU and they suit me up and then I bump into the mom over the child and it was intense. It was hard. And, and, and like I said, I was praying the whole way there. I'm going, God, lead me, guide me, help me, speak through me, help me to be what Jesus would be in this moment. And I remember... All of a sudden, there was like this like anger that came over me. And it wasn't towards anybody in particular. It was to the atmosphere of the room. And, and this, this young lady was on life support. And when I walked in, and I knew the mom and dad. I didn't know anybody else in the room. I didn't even know the girl, the, the young lady who was on life support. And, and I essentially just got mad. And I looked at the mom, and I essentially just said, are we grieving? And she looked and went, what? I said, are we grieving? She went, no. I said, it feels like we are. And she went, I said, can I have a moment of privacy with you? And this wasn't me. 
And that, that's what I, I realized after. I'm like, this wasn't me. Because I, was, I was like this the whole time. I was shaking. And I pulled her aside and went, everyone in here is grieving. Everyone is acting like she's not alive right now. And she is. Can we kick them all out? And she looked at me and went, absolutely. And we walked in there and went, everyone please leave. And they all, she kicked them all out. And I just told her, I said, this isn't God's will that none should perish. Not one. This isn't God's will for your, for your daughter. Can we get that straight? Can we start from there? And we began to just talk through the word, talk through this, go through this. And, and, and understanding miracles and, and all of that is, there's a lot to it. And there's also a free spirit, free will and understanding. So I, there, like, like I said, I, I, she didn't raise up right there. But like what I mean was, is there's a lot to miracles and understanding it. But there's also a free will of an individual, which is why often Jesus would look at someone as he was in a, about to do a miracle and he would say, do you believe that I can do this? There was an agreement that had to happen with this free will. And, and, and so there's a lot of variables to it, but it was this Holy Spirit-led moment that changed everything. And it was an incredible moment. And I can only give, that, give the credit to God in, in that moment, but it was this like righteous anger with the, this is not supposed to be this way. And, and had I not allowed Holy Spirit to lead me there, I would have just completely missed the mark and, and tried to do it through my own flesh and just brutally messed it up. I guarantee you I absolutely would have. Um, one of the things I bumped into this last week which was kind of a reaffirming thing to me, was I, I, I follow this YouTube channel, and they, they, it's a sailing. They sail around the planet, and it's this family, and like, they're both gorgeous human beings, and they have this perfect family and this insanely expensive boat, and they just post YouTube videos, and I'm always like, it gets uploaded on Monday, which is the worst time to upload a sailing around the planet video. And, and so you hit play on it, and you're just like, oh, take me there. God, just please drop me in anywhere over there. And, and the, when I was building this message, they had actually just finished uploading a, mat, a video and the whole thing was talking about their anxiety, their struggle, and how hard life is. And I went, what? <laughs> like, do you know where you are? I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding. But as you just watch this video, you just start to realize it doesn't matter where you are. When you're not plugged into the source and your identity comes from all this, there's no scenario that can get you feeling good enough. There's no scenario at all, whether it's money, cars, sex, drugs, anything to, to artificially raise you up. There's nothing that'll do it. And you start to, you, uh, most people have to go to their bottom to realize that. And, and, I, and my prayer is that you never have to, and you never have to get to a place where that's your realization. But if you can realize it through the word of God, realizing, okay, it's, it's no vacation that's going to bring you happiness. It's no cars, no money. It's not going to do it for you. It's the only way to do it is to be plugged into the source and get it from him every day where your meaning comes from that. And you could be in the most darkest, brutal, physical place ever, and you're still a light there. And you're just stoked to be there. And, and Holy Spirit's living and gleaning. And you're just, everyone around you just comes around and just goes like, man. You know, Pastors Leon and Sally, when something I noticed very early on was Anytime a worker would come to the house to do something, um, like just, just like, let's say a mechanic or a plumber, a plumber would come to the house, something I noticed a lot was they would linger. They would linger and linger and linger and linger. And it was, sometimes you're like, thank you, <laughs> go. But, but they would linger. And you start to realize is that they were, they were sensing the presence of God in the house and they were sensing the peace. 
and they were sensing our, our conversations. And there's so many times, and I'm not exaggerating, so many times where they would often, sometimes they would out, outright say it. They would sometimes say, there's something about you guys. What is it? And we're like, oh, well, it's Jesus. But we wouldn't be that forward, but they would sense it and feel it and know. And then they would, they would just, we'd eventually say like, uh, well, we go to a church and we're pastors and stuff. And then sometimes they'd Google it right there and they'd be like, whoa, you, got, you are the pastor. <laughs> and it was just this cool interaction. But I can't tell you that happened so many times. And that's how it should be. That's how you, you are meant and designed for that. When you get to the third phase, the adulthood phase, the, the great commission, the call of sharing the gospel, you have this gift of saving someone's life from being hit by that car. You could pull them out and save them and rescue them. It's all there if you submit the Holy Spirit, if you allow him to work through you. I want to give you the reference here before I, before I end everything so that you can look that up. 1 John 2, 13 to 14. And essentially, it's, it's alluding to those free phases of, of faith, the infant, the children, sorry, children, young men, and then fathers. And it's alluding to those three. But one thing I want to show you is in that same chapter, verse 28, it says this. It says, and now little children, abide in him. So it's saying that, adolescent, that young phase, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame of his coming. It's this abiding in him, this constant abiding. And life's busy, life's got stuff, but you, you can constantly pray and speak to God and say, God, show me what you want today. Wow. Speak to me, guide me, help me. Which is why you, I'll sometimes just watch YouTube videos that's not even Christian or anything, and, and I'm being spoken to, I'm being led, I'm being guided. But I bumped into a story on YouTube, and it was about zebras. And it was super random, but essentially this incredible thing happens with zebras. When they, when they give birth to a uh, zebra. Uh, <laughs> when they give birth to a zebra, um, something really cool happens. The mother and, and the young zebra, someone could find that name for me, it'd be great what they're called, um, they break away from the herd for two weeks, like upwards to two to three weeks. They break away. And so one thing when they study that, they realize the entire reason they break away for two weeks is for the bond between the two. And that the, the mother zebra has a certain unique like thumbprint stamp of stripes on their head that that mother needs the young one to know that this is the only one. I am the only caretaker for you. Don't you be, don't you figure out that someone's got, like it, it's me. I am the source to your life. You stay with me and I got you. And it's this two, three week bond. And after two, three weeks, they come back and that bond is built. And it's, it's that same thing. It's that same thing in that, in that phase of your life and continue it on all the time. It's that bond that you need to have with Father God where you know that he's got you, you know he's safe, you know he's not condemning and judging you at your core level. And it, it, it'll, it'll feed your entire existence with this incredible peace in knowing that you are in right standing with God, period. And that's just, that's just it. One thing I want to encourage you to study is the, the armor of God. It's, uh, it's sometimes so, it's, I talk about it all the time, but it's because, it, it's because we need it so badly. And, and look at the pieces of armor and find out why they're on, or why they're named that. The breastplate of righteousness. Why is it on the chest symbolically? The, the sandals of peace. Why are the sandals of peace on the feet? Like, and, there's, and when you begin to unpack that, it's beautiful. You start to realize that the, 
the heart is the belief systems of your, of your life and that peace. Why do you need peace on your feet? Well, the, your feet are the very things that bring you forward into, into your life. They either bring you forward or backwards and you're going to go through things. And so even though I run through the valley of the shadow of death, no, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, think about that. You're so close to death that there's a shadow being cast on you. So even, and you're not running. You're not being dragged. That verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Like, it's so incredible when you begin to unpack the armor and then tie it to these verses and realize, oh my goodness, this is all by design. This is the way God wants me to work and live in, in my life. And it is such a beautiful thing. It just becomes alive and you get so excited and then you hear someone else talk about the word and you just can't wait to talk about the word. Like I was walking out from that door over there and I was like, I just can't wait to get on stage. Like I, and it's not, it's not the stage, it has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that I get to talk about the Bible, which is changing my life so much all the time to talk to you. I just can't wait. It's my favorite thing in the world. Love it. I should wrap up. Anyway, one of the things that I want to share with you is that if you've never accepted Christ into your life, and, and if it even confuses you and you're going, what? One thing we always do in this service is that we do an opportunity for you to accept Christ into your life. And, and Romans tells us that if you say with your mouth and believe in your heart, how can you believe with your heart? How does that even make sense? It's a muscle. It's referring to the fact of, of the seed of your belief systems. When you say, man, that football player, he's got heart. It's alluding to his drive, his heart, which is pointing to his beliefs. So, it says, if you say with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for all your sins in the past, present, and future, and then not only that, that he defeated death, which means he defeated eternal death for us. And it's this incredible gift, and that's all you got to do. You don't have to earn it. It is the most, almost too good to be true good news. It is so incredible. So I want to invite we're going to pray a prayer. I want to ask every person to just bow their heads real quick. And the reason we bow heads right now is because we don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want anybody to feel like someone's watching me or a friend that you might. Every head bow, please. We're doing this for privacy. We're not going to get you to come up on stage. We're not going to make you do anything weird. But we want to pray with you. We want to give you that opportunity. So if you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to start on the right side here. If you want to pray that prayer, would you look up at me and just give me a quick wave and we'll pray with you just over here on the right side. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you. In the, in the middle here. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard to see. Keep your hand up. Over here on the left, if you want to pray that prayer with us. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. So good. I think there's one in the back there. I can't tell. One last look around. If you want to pray that prayer, let me know. Awesome. Would everybody repeat after me with every head bowed? Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. Right now I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. To forgive me of everything I've done wrong. All of it. From today and on, I am following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Welcome into the family of God. So good.